Good morning. Welcome to Jesus and Coffee with Pastor Tom, where we have a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. So we are in Proverbs 13, looking at verse 13 through 15 this morning. Let's say a prayer and get started. Father, thank you for this morning. Be glorified as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so continuing through Proverbs, as we've looked at the last few chapters, these are little fortune cookie practical wise statements based upon the two greatest commandments. That's Solomon's theme. That's what he's running with. And he deals with everything from work ethic to finances to relationships, attitudes, character, all those things, which all those things are rooted in loving God and loving others in some way, shape, or form. So the three verses today, really, I think the way to summarize the theme of these three verses and even the few before it um, would be true wisdom comes from God. True wealth comes from God and is found in wisdom. That'd probably be the best way to summarize these three verses. So let's go ahead and, and read them and then talk about that. So verse 13 says, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. <clears throat> okay, so yesterday I preached out of Hebrews chapter 10, and we were at the very end of chapter 10. And at the end of chapter 10, um, the author, the pastor, because Hebrews is most likely a sermon and it's possibly preached by Paul, at the end of chapter 10, he gives a, a strong warning to the, the Christians who are listening to this sermon. And in that warning, he says, do not despise the word. Okay. Now, what that means is do not live in sin, openly, blatantly sinning, ignoring God's commandments. It's an attitude of someone who most likely is not saved. It's an attitude of a person who knows that something is a sin, knows that God is displeased with it, knows that it's not honoring to the Lord, yet they do it anyway without any shame, any conviction, and they live in that sin. It's not like it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to be is that you're a Christian, you love God, you're seeking to love God more than anything else, you want to honor Him, okay? You are Proverbs 1-7, you have the fear of the Lord, respect for God. You still sin because you're not perfect, but you fight against those desires and temptations. That's the life of a Christian. You're constantly battling the temptations and desires. You fail at times, but you're growing and you're maturing and you're learning and you, you get stronger and you draw close to the Lord and His Word and His commandments and it gives you strength and you overcome and so on and so forth. That is the Christian walk. Someone who despises the word, they despise God's commandments because they don't care. They don't care about his commandments. They don't care what they're doing. So that's what it means to despise the word. Now, sin may seem fun and great and wonderful and bring lots of happiness and joy to you, but here's the deal. At the end of the day, it only brings destruction. You're only killing yourself to reject God's word and live in sin. But he who reveres the commandments of God will be rewarded. The person who respects God and his word and his commandments and seeks to honor them brings life to himself, as verse 14 tells us. Verse 14 says, The teaching of the wise is a fountain 
of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Despising the word, rejecting God's law and commandments, rejecting God essentially is what you're doing. You, you reject his commandments, you reject God. Then you will find death. If you adhere to his teachings, you respect them, you listen to them, you seek to honor them and do them in your life, you find a fountain of life. Okay, And then in verse 15, it says, Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. This is just another way of saying what we've said up here. Good sense is Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you're a fool, you don't have good sense. If you're not a fool, you have good sense. And if you have good sense, that means that you fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord, that means you respect God and his authority. You respect God and his authority. That is love for God. That is valuing God above other things, above yourself. That is putting him first. That is good sense. And you win favor. You win favor with that. The way of the treacherous, they don't do that. And it brings them to ruin. It brings destruction upon themselves. It brings them to their ruin. It snares them in death. At the end of the day, they stand before God in judgment. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You spend an eternity in hell away from me. Okay? That's how it works. Now, let's go back up here to verse 14. I want to bring you to another passage and talk about that for just a little bit. So the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. We see that analogy in Scripture quite often of a fountain of life. And what does that really mean? The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. So wisdom brings life, eternal life. The idea of a fountain is it constantly spewing up water. Okay, It's constantly spewing out life, and it's never ending. So let's go to another passage in Scripture real quick and... and it's a long one, but we can we can just kind of hop, skip, and jump through it and talk about it. So this passage is Jesus when he meets the Samaritan woman. Most everyone knows this passage. He comes, he's walking through Samaria, and he comes upon um, um, Jacob's well, and um, there's this Samaritan woman there, which Samaritans were half Jew, half half not, <laughs> and so Jewish people kind of viewed them as lesser than them, okay? And they had some different beliefs in their, their belief system, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. The, the idea, though, is that Jews did not associate with Samaritans, okay? They didn't really care for each other, and so they didn't communicate with one another. So he goes there, and there's this Samaritan woman, and he asks her for a drink of water. And, Jesus, and the woman's shocked that he did that because she's like, I'm Samaritan, you're Jew, why are you talking to me? Especially since you're a man and I'm a woman, why are you talking to me? Jesus answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would ask, have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Hmm, living water. We see that image again, what we were just talking about in Proverbs. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She's thinking practically. She's thinking materially, right? We all do. That's the way we view the world quite often. So she's thinking the actual water in the well, and he's just calling it living water because you need it to live. But Jesus is talking about something else. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us... I don't even have my notes up here. Sorry. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it? This is where I'm at right here. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry I didn't put the notes up. I've had them up, I've had them up for me this whole time. 
Okay, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it in himself, as did also his son and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Yeah, of course, because you got to have more water and more water to continue to live. Whoever drinks of this water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So you drink from my water and you never thirst again. And he's talking about something else. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's still thinking in the material sense, in a practical sense about actual water. That's not what he's talking about. We know that now, but don't be so hard on her. She didn't really understand that then. This is a different time. She didn't have the Bible to read from her entire life like many of us have. He told her, go call your husband and come back. What? Okay, hold on a second here. Why is she talking about her, her? Why is he talking about her husband? They were just talking about water. And he skips and jumps over to her husband. Why did he do that? Well, let's finish reading it and I'll explain why. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, yeah, you're right. <laughs> when you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Whoa! Easy there, Jesus. That's a little blunt and condescending, don't you think? You were talking about water. All of a sudden, you jump over to her husband in kind of a sarcastic sense, knowing what her response is going to be because you know her heart. Call your husband. Hmm, almost like he's saying it like that. Call your husband. Yeah, that's right. You don't have one because you've had five. You know, and it's almost, but that's not what he's trying to do here. It seems like that, but that's not what he's trying to do. Sir, the woman says, I can see that you are a prophet because he knew something about her that he shouldn't have known. So her ears perk up. She's listening now. Our ancestors, and then she changes the subject. Okay, so let's stop there a second. Why did Jesus confront her about the men in her life? Okay, when you're trying to explain the gospel and you're trying to explain to someone their need for a savior, the first step is you help them see their sin and their need for a Savior, okay? That is what you do. That is the first step. No one's going to drink the living water, the spiritual water that Jesus is talking about, if at first they don't think they need it, okay? Now, you might say, well, wait a minute. She just asked him earlier, well, let me have some of that water so that I don't thirst again. But you got to remember, she was not understanding the water he was talking about. She still was thinking about physical water at that point. She was thinking he had a cup of magic juice that she could drink, and then she would never have to drink again. And she was probably saying it tongue-in-cheek a little bit, okay? So that's what she's thinking still. But Jesus is going to the root of the issues in her life, and then he's going to draw that back out into the greatest commandments for her to see her need for living water, what the living water is, okay? He's trying to help her here. He's not trying to judge her and condemn her. He's trying to help her, okay? So he goes right to the core of, of what her internal issue is. She's never satisfied. Look at that. She's, hot. She's just jumping from one man to the next. 
this man's not bringing me the joy that I thought he was going to bring me. So that means there's another man out there that's going to bring joy and peace and happiness that I can marry and, and hold on to. No, this man didn't do it. I'm jumping to another one. I'm going to go to another one. I'm going to go to another one. Okay? It's like a drug. It never satisfies. I've got to get more. I've got to get more. I've got to get more. She's missing something deep within her that gives her purpose and meaning in her life. And she's looking for it in the material things of the world and in relationships with other people and not in God. And that's what Jesus is trying to get her to see. She's empty. Spiritually, she's empty. And she needs the life-giving water to fill her. And he's going to explain to her what that is. She changes the subject here. Look. She says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. You knew something about me. Now let's change the subject because I don't want to talk about how I've run from man to man. Okay? She says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. Let's get into a debate about what we disagree about with you being a Jew and me being a Samaritan. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And that's true. The Samaritans had a holy place that was on a mountain. They believe that's where you should worship God. The Jews believed the only place to commune with God was in the holiest of holies in the temple in Jerusalem. Okay? But we all know what happened with the temple, right? Jesus died on the cross. The veil in the temple that separated us from God tore. He bridged the gap. Okay? Remember that because it's going to make sense in a second. Woman, Jesus replied. That is not a derogatory statement, by the way. All right? Jesus is not being sexist there. Okay? Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Boom, he just explained to her the living water. He just explained to her what the living water is. He recognized her sin. He drew her sin out. He drew her he drew out how thirsty she was, okay? Go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. Yeah, that's right because you keep going from man to man to man. You're thirsty. You're in a desert. You're wandering around like your ancestral Jewish heritage, the people wandering in the wilderness. You're looking for peace and joy and happiness. It's only found in the fountain of life that is God himself. You are wandering around. You keep going from mirage to mirage, and they never satisfy. It just leaves your mouth full of sand. Let me show you the life-giving water. You don't need all those men to bring you joy and peace and happiness. You don't need all of that. What you need is to understand what true worship is. And that is to know your creator. That is where salvation is. That is where purpose is. That is where meaning is. That is where joy is. And if you drink of this water in this relationship with God, it's not on a mountain. He's not on a mountain. He's not in a temple. He is a spirit. And you commune with him by loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, by respecting his word, by Proverbs 1-7, fearing the Lord. That is the fountain. And he explains that to her. And then the lights come on. 
And she goes to town and she wants to tell everyone else who she's met, how he knew something about her, and how he brings life. He, he shares truth and the things clicked. And I believe that this woman got, got saved, if you want to say it that way. She got saved that day. The light switch came on. She found the life-giving water. I truly believe that. Okay, a wonderful passage. And I brought all that up and we talked about that because that is exactly what verse 14 is talking about. That is exactly what Solomon is saying in verse 14. Okay, remember Solomon wrote Proverbs long before Jesus came and died on the cross. You see, the gospel message is the same in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, he said. He came to fulfill it. He came to fulfill it. It was always, it was misunderstood by many of the Jews in the old culture. Solomon understood it. His father David understood the, the teachings. And it was only fulfilled through Jesus. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's fulfilling Proverbs 13, 14 in that message, in that encounter with that woman. All right, we'll stop there. Thank you for joining me this morning. This is really good stuff. Remember, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's working for you, not against you. Have a wonderful and blessed day. I will see you again tomorrow. Bye.